1: Good morning. Take your copy of God's Word and find the, the Gospel of Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine, we'll look at verses 57 through 62. Thank you, Dr. Aiken. Kim and I treasure our friendship with you and Charlotte. It's always a privilege to be here and to have you come our way and preach for us. Your president has preached in the Lakeview pulpit on a number of occasions. And if Jesus tarries, and I'm still around, we'll have you back, but uh, anyway, we are grateful. Thank God for this wonderful school and its missionary focus faculty here. We have several of our uh, Lakeview students enrolled here, and we're looking forward to having them for supper tonight and uh, catching up with them. Count them. One, two, three, Four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight Southern Baptist International Mission Board missionaries have been martyred for their faith in the 21st century. Martha Myers, a surgeon along with William Cohen and Kathleen Garrity were serving at the Baptist Hospital in Gibla, Yemen, when a crazed gunman came in the hospital and gunned them down. Not long after that, Southern Baptist missionary, Bill Hyde was killed in a terrorist attack in the Philippines. And then a year or so after that, Southern Baptist missionaries, Larry and Jean Elliott, David McDonnell and Karen Watson were killed in an explosion as they were serving the people of Iraq. Karen Watson was a new believer in Christ, only been a Christian a few years. Before she went to Iraq, she wrote a letter which she left with her home church. Let me read you just a portion of it. She wrote, "Should you only be opening this letter? In the, you should only be opening this letter in the event of death. When God calls, there are no regrets. I tried to share my heart with you as much as possible. My heart for the nations. I wasn't called to a place, I was called to Him. To obey was my objective, to suffer was expected. His glory, my reward. Why would she go to a dangerous place like Iraq? Simply she was following the call of the Lord Jesus Christ to go and make disciples of all The nations. We have our mandate from Jesus. Go into all the world. Take the gospel to every nation. Jesus never said, go only to those places where the food is safe to eat and there's plenty of clean drinking water and there's no state travel, no State Department travel advisory or there's no major conflict or those places where you can keep in close contact with family. And friends, no, Jesus simply said, go. So this morning, I want you to think with me about this subject, the high cost of following Jesus. There is a high cost of following Jesus, and even a cursory reading of the New Testament would indicate that. But for our time this morning, I want you to think with me. The words of Jesus spoken to three different individuals as Jesus made his way toward Jerusalem to the cross. They're recorded for us in Luke's gospel chapter 9, beginning with verse 57 and reading through verse 52. Luke tells us, as they were walking along a road, a man said to him, that is to the Lord Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Here we read of Jesus and his disciples on their way to Jerusalem. In fact, if you look back in verse 51, Luke tells us, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem for the cross. And along the way had these encounters with three different individuals. And each one of these encounters tell us something about the radical reality of what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I must warn you that what we read in this text is countercultural, And dare I say it, what we read in this text it is in many ways un-American. So think with me this morning about the high cost of following Jesus. And each one of these encounters will give us at least one truth or principle about what it means to truly follow the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, I want you to see with me in verses 57 and 58 that if you and I are going to follow Jesus, we must be willing to surrender our comfortable lifestyle. Are you willing to surrender your comfortable lifestyle if the Lord Jesus so calls look again in verse 57 and 58 as they were walking along a road a man said to Jesus this individual comes up to Jesus and says to him I will follow you wherever you go that's every preacher's dream to just somebody come up and say hey preacher tell me how to follow the Lord Jesus Christ or how can I serve in the church And notice in verse 58, Jesus' response, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. What Jesus is saying here is, welcome aboard, but before you sign up for sure, just count the cost, because it may not be what you think it is. When Jesus spoke these words, he was homeless. That's what he said, he said, foxes have holes to go to, as their home and a, a bird has a nest to go to, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Now we know that Jesus as a child was reared in the home of Joseph and Mary. He had a home, he had a roof over his head, but during most of his public ministry as Jesus was an itinerant, going from place to place, he was homeless. We know that he was shown hospitality by friends like Mary and Martha and, Laz- and Lazarus and others. Most of the time, Jesus, I suppose, was uh, spending the night under the open uh, Middle Eastern sky. But at this time in his life, certainly Jesus was homeless. Jesus is not the great American success story. He was dependent upon others to help him. And if you and I are gonna follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we must count the costs and ask ourselves this question. Am I, like the Lord Jesus Christ, willing to surrender my comfortable lifestyle? Now, I want to thank President Aiken for putting Kim and I up in the Hunt House last night. We slept exceedingly well on a very comfortable bed, roof over our head. And when I returned to Auburn on Friday, have a comfortable home to live in, nothing wrong with that. But I want you to see that what Jesus experienced here is not what we might call the great American dream. What is the American dream? Well, a generation ago, Francis Schaeffer said it's personal peace and affluence. And what he meant by that was for the typical American, his goal in life is to accumulate as much of this world's goods as he can, to be as comfortable as he can be and be left alone to enjoy that which he has accumulated. The American dream is an ever-growing standard of living. The American dream is a Good job with a big salary with wonderful benefits, living in the best of neighborhoods, a two or three car garage, two children, an ever expanded retirement account and to retire as soon as possible so you can hunt or fish or whatever it is that you want to do. That's the way far too many Americans live. And tragically, that's the way far too many professed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ live. I give God my tithe I can do what I want to with the other 90% that I have left over and I fear that one of the things that hinders our missionary advance today at least in our Southern Baptist churches is far too many of our people have an inordinate desire to achieve the American dream and therefore an inordinate desire for financial security which means there not enough funds to send all of our missionaries who've been called of God to go We know that that's a reality. We experienced that in the last couple of years and we had to bring so many of our missionaries home because God's people wouldn't release the funds to send them. I'm sure you know by now that less than three cents of every dollar that is placed in Southern Baptist Church offering plates, less than three cents out of every dollar makes it overseas. We're spending 97 cents out of every dollar on ourselves. Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, the largest missionary offering in the history of Christendom going all the way back to the time of of the apostles. Now about $150 to $155 million a year is about $10 per Southern Baptist per year. It's about two Happy Meals to get the gospel to the nations. Some of you are called to the local pastorate. Can I speak to you as one who served as a pastor now? 38 years in one church, and another eight or nine years before that and simply say to you, the, the big issue and the hindrance of our missionary enterprise as I see it is not our missionaries overseas. They are some of the finest, most committed, godly, spirit-filled people I know. They are my heroes. The problem is not enrichment. The problem is not with the ladies of the Women's Missionary Union. Bless their heart, they're doing all they know to do. I believe the problem in most of our churches is the pastor does not have a passion to mobilize his people to, send the, to take the gospel to the nations. And therefore, he wants to hold on to the resources that are part of that church that ought to be released to send these missionaries. Some years ago, I was talking to my friend, Dr. Michael Johnson, who's an African-American surgeon, uh, now stateside, but many, many years, he was a surgeon in Kenya. When I first uh, met uh, Dr. Johnson, he shared his testimony with me, and he said, when God called me as a young surgeon in Philadelphia to go to Africa, he said, I went To my pastor to share with him the call of God in my life thinking my pastor would be excited that God was calling Kay and I to go to the missionary to go to the mission field and he said when I told him my pastor said Mike you don't want to do that if you go to Africa you'll never get your jag and when he told me that I said to him your pastor wasn't concerned about you not being able to purchase your Jaguar automobile that apparently he thought you needed. He was concerned that he was about to lose a tithe of your income to his church budget. Now, many, many years later, Dr. Johnson told me that his pastor has since apologized for that thought. But that's all too common in our churches Why do we give so little? Because so many of us have bought into the whole idea of personal peace and affluence and financial security. So we no longer need to depend upon God. So I ask you again, are you willing to surrender your comfortable lifestyle? I was teaching our missionaries at Brackenhurst in Kenya, their annual retreats a few years ago. And I would teach the Bible in the morning, teach the Bible in the afternoon. And on the last day, I said to the, to the missionaries who were gathered there, I said, you've been listening to me now for a week. I wanna to listen to you, though I tried to interact with them earlier in the week around the, uh, the, the, uh, the meal times. And I said, I'm just gonna sit here on the edge of the stage, and uh, I'd like you just to tell me about your story, your experience. And one of those who spoke that day were first term missionaries from Michigan that sat there on the front row all week a couple maybe in their early 40s her name was Leah and she stood up and she said uh, brother Al where we serve in northern Kenya is very difficult it's a very arid dry place 100% Muslim she said the home we live in the only electricity we have is that which is generated by, uh, by a diesel generator we for a The bathroom, we have a squatty potty, we have no running water. She says, it's really hard in a physical way. But she said, we're right where God wants us to be. And we wouldn't want to be anywhere else because we know this is the will of God for us. She said, let me see if I can explain it to you. She said, uh, I really like peanut butter cookies. And she said, but more than peanut butter cookies, I like to eat ice cream, but more than ice cream and peanut butter cookies, I like chocolate brownies. But she said, more than chocolate brownies and peanut butter cookies and ice cream, she says, what I really like is a banana split. And then she said, as hard as it is here, because we know we're in the will of God, she said, serving Jesus here is like having a banana split every single day. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Romans 12. He said, the will of God is good and pleasing and perfect. It may not be safe. It was deadly for those eight Southern Baptist missionaries who've been martyred in recent years. But it's good and pleasing and perfect. But sometimes the will of God means that you and I need to be willing to surrender our comfortable lifestyle." These are the words of Jesus. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then there's a second encounter here in verses 59 and 60. And here we learn that not only must we be willing to surrender our comfortable lifestyle, but here we learn that we must be willing to yield our personal plans. You have personal plans for your life or your future, we all do. But are we willing to? Yield them to the Lord Jesus Christ and let him reroute us. Look again in verse 59 and 60. He, Jesus, said to another man, follow me. This time Jesus takes the initiative, not the person on the road. And the man responded to Jesus by saying, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. That seems like a very legitimate request. New Testament scholars are not agreed. Had the man's father just passed away or not? We don't know. Perhaps his father had just passed away and, Arrangements were being made for his funeral. Perhaps he was elderly, perhaps had just weeks or months or maybe a few years left to live and just wanted to wait till his father was gone and then he would feel free to leave. And so he said, Lord, let me go bury my father. And verse 60, Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That offends our sensibilities, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus was never gonna be elected clergyman of the year talking like that. Let the dead bury their own dead. What's he saying? He's simply saying we must be willing to yield our personal plans. In essence, he's saying let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead, but you need to follow my call and my command. Do you have personal plans? Well, of course you do. We all do. When I was a student in seminary, I had personal plans to be a pastor in the United States. In the province of God, that's what god has had for me thus far in my life but i want to i want you to know that i'm willing to go anywhere the lord calls me to go i went to a baptist school and i was never confronted with the call to go to the nations, though i was a preacher boy and then when i finished uh my college days i went with a presbyterian pastor friend to urbana 70 on the campus of the University of Illinois to the great missionary conference there hosted by the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And for the first time in my life, I was confronted with the fact that God might want me to fulfill his call in my life somewhere other than the United States of America. And there were 17,000 students there. And on that last night, New Year's Eve, 1970, a call was issued. If you're willing to go anywhere to say to the Lord Jesus Christ, I will put no uh, geographical limitations on my service for you. Would you stand? They couldn't call us forward because the arena was filled and the floor was filled. And I counted the cost that night and I stood and I said to the Lord that night, I will go anywhere you call me to go. I've been in Auburn for 38 years. Sometimes uh, members of our church say to me, Pastor, if you have as much passion for the nations as you appear to have, why are you not a missionary? And I wanna think, do you want me to leave? I mean, you're tired of me, but I don't think that's it. But it's a legitimate question. And why have I been here instead of there? I mean, I have a, a fondness, especially for East Africa. And the answer is the call of God. But God knows my heart. I'd get on a plane tomorrow and go to to East Africa and gladly stay there and serve Christ there. The Spirit of God is at work in East Africa in extraordinary ways. So it's not that you're a, a better Christian if you're serving overseas than you are if you're here in the United States. What's best is the will of God. And all of us need to come to the place somewhere along the way that where we say to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm willing to go anywhere you send me But know full well that some of the places that some will be called to go are very dangerous places. Some years ago, I took a team of students and adult men to a part of the Muslim world, our first endeavor, our first people group. We adopted the Arab Swahili, four million Arab Swahili, no believers then, only about a dozen today. We've had 40 plus teams in there over the last decade or so. But I led that first team. And one of our students, while we were in country, was threatened and robbed at knife point because we were trying to take the gospel to them. The will of God is good, pleasing, and perfect, but is not necessarily safe. We need to ask ourselves, are we willing to yield our personal plans? I remember when I sat where you sat at a different seminary and I seldom missed chapel service and twice every semester we'd have mission day And some of my classmates who were very faithful to go to chapel service were faithful to miss mission day because I think they were fearful that the spirit of the Lord might work and they might have a sense of call to serve somewhere other than First Baptist Church County seat in the USA. The fact is, the issue is the Lordship issue. If Jesus is Lord, we're gonna go anywhere he sends us. Did you know you can't say no Lord? You can articulate those two words, N-O, no, L-O-R-D, Lord. You can put them back to back. But whenever you say, no, Lord, he's not Lord. When Jesus is Lord, the only answer is yes. Yes, Lord, I'm willing to stay right here in North Carolina and serve you. But yes, Lord, I'm willing to go to the Muslim world, the Hindu world, the Buddhist world, the Chinese world. I'm willing to go anywhere you send me. Yes, Lord. No strings attached when I was where you sit we had very little work in the Muslim world because we couldn't get visas in much of the Middle East so we just didn't go praise God those days have changed our people are going in to these difficult places that we once did not go some years ago brother Andrew the founder of open doors wrote these words I think they're prophetic He wrote, we must reach out to as many Muslim and Arab groups as possible while they are still reachable because anyone who is reachable is also winnable. But unless we go to them in love and influence them in a Christian direction, listen to this, the ongoing cycle of violence and revenge will force them to take hardline extremist positions. They will come to us, the Christian West, in judgment. Think how different our world might be today if it if well, we said, well, we can't get visas into these countries, so we just have to write them off until we can get a visa to get in there. If we found creative ways like we're finding today to take the gospel to these people, some of these people who might, who've been trying to kill us might have come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and might be our brothers and sisters in Christ. Talking about the high cost of following Jesus, If we're gonna follow Jesus, we must be willing to surrender our comfortable lifestyle. If we're gonna follow Jesus, we must be willing to yield our personal plans and go anywhere he sends us. Now there's a third encounter that Jesus uh, had here on the road to Jerusalem, verses 61 and 62. And here we learn that we're gonna follow Jesus, we must be willing to follow faithfully to the very finish, not for a year or a decade, but to the end of the journey. Look again in verse 61 and 62, still another said, I will follow you Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I'm told that when Dr. Martha Myers was on her last stateside assignment before she returned to Yemen where she was brutally murdered, friends said to her, Martha, don't go back That's a dangerous part of the world, and you've been out there 25 years. You've done your time. Just stay here. You can serve the Lord here in the United States, but she had the call of God on her life, and God had not yet released her, and she went back to her death. She finished faithfully. Now, most, thank God for this, most who are called to go to the nations will not be called to lay down their lives, but some have been, and some will be, and quite frankly, I'm convinced that we're gonna see many have to lay down their lives that we're gonna penetrate the Muslim world. But all make sacrifices, they give give up in some ways. Separation from family and friends, familiar surroundings, familiar food, culture, they expect, you know, the, the diseases that are very common in parts of the world that are very rare, non-existent here. Uh, most of the missionaries out of our church who serve in the parts of the world where malaria is common routinely contract malaria. They just, that's just part of the price expect, they just expect to pay. There's the heat in tropical climates. There are the insects, the venomous snakes. They bring their children there. Great sacrifice to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. These are my heroes. They don't like me to call them heroes. They just say, we're just ordinary folk like everybody else, but they are. Serving in these very difficult to get to places. Some years ago, I was asked to teach the Bible for nine days at, to our missionaries from six nations in Asia. We gathered uh, on the shores of the Straits of Malacca there in uh, Port Dixon, Malaysia at the Baptist Assembly ground. It was a extraordinary experience for me to just to hang out with these missionaries to get to know them. Some I knew before I went but most I did not know And over the course of those nine days, at the breakfast meal, at the lunch meal, at the supper meal, I would go from table to table and try to meet as many of these missionaries and hear their story and their place of service and what their challenges were. Uh, There were some there who had just arrived on the field. They'd been there less than a month or two. There were some there mid-career. There were maybe six or eight couples there who'd been out in Asia for 30, 35 years, this was their last term and when they came home to the states, next, they were coming home to stay. Those are the ones that I really wanted to to know and hear their story and hear their heart. One couple I met out there, Tom and Gloria Thurman, missionaries to Bangladesh, 30 plus years. They came home a couple years later, retired. In their last missionary letter, they penned these words. I just want to read a portion of it to you. After 34 years of service, these have been years filled with much joy and service. We have known the presence of our blessed Savior, and we thank him for his grace. We have nothing but gratitude and can only say, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing of our great Redeemer's praise. There have been circumstances that we would not have chosen, like earthquake tremors, leprosy. Gloria Thurman contracted leprosy and God healed her. Three robberies, four broken bones, 291 countrywide strikes. If you've ever been to Bangladesh, they just call a strike routinely. 186 flat tires, frequent electricity failures, struggle with difficult language, floods, cyclones, convulsions, one stabbing, famines, tidal waves, drought. John 10:4 is so true. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. We are leaving but the task is not finished. We came because of the lost millions of this land. We keep wondering who will come to take our place. Into whose hand shall we place our missionary Bibles? Where are the youth whom God is calling to give their lives in service for preaching the gospel? Who will come to this land and search for the lost sheep? We thank God that one day he tapped us on the shoulder and said, I have a place of service for you we walked with him and our joy has been full oh it's hard it's hard but to know you're in the will of God and to experience the grace and peace of God and the joy of the Holy Spirit flood in your heart because you know You're doing exactly what God has chosen you in eternity past to do. The last day, I was in this gathering of missionaries in Malaysia. I'd preached for the last time and one of the senior missionaries stood and said to the assembled missionaries there, I want to extend an opportunity for you to reaffirm your call and your obedience to the call of God in your life. And if that is your desire, just come and stand. of course they all, everyone without exception came and just stood around the, the platform. And then they began to sing. They began to sing this old hymn that we sing in the United States. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Back where I come from, we sing it mindlessly often. The last song we sing before we try to beat the Methodists to the cafeteria on Sunday. You know it. These missionaries began to sing, I'll take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. They continued, he drew me closer to his side. I sought his will to know and in that will I now abide. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. They sang, it may be through the shadows dim or o'er the stormy sea. I'll take my cross and follow him wherever he leadeth me. And I stood to the side with tears streaming down my face as I listened to these missionaries sing those words and I thought, dear God, this is not just a song. These brothers and sisters have crossed the stormy sea. They've taken up their cross to follow you. Are you willing to follow Jesus? wherever he leads? Are you willing to stay if God says stay in the States? Are you willing to go anywhere in the the world if God says go?
0: Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us.